0: The grieving process never stops. And the closest thing that I can ever describe it to is, is like you're standing, you know, on a beach and a wave of grief will just hit you and knock you down. And in the beginning you feel as though you're standing there and it's just wave after wave after wave that hits you. And, and you, you try to stand back up, but another wave just hits you. And over time, you learn how to time the waves and stand up and take a breath, you know, and prepare for the next wave to come. And so I don't know if necessarily that's the hardest part of grief or when you're later on in the journey and an unexpected wave just takes you off your feet.
1: Hello. Welcome to ACT-Inspired Behavior, the show about real people and their real stories of transformation and change told through the lens of acceptance and commitment therapy. I'm Gabby Lanier. Do you know that feeling of standing in the ocean? Waves at your feet, constant coming and going of waves. Imagine yourself even for a second just standing in the water, your eyes closed, feeling the sensations of those waves. Sometimes the waves come with this regularity, and then every once in a while, notice how they're more forceful at times, and then unexpectedly gentle. Our guest today, Mari Serda, she shares a really difficult story, the loss of a loved one. She shares how her experience was much like the experience of standing in the ocean, feeling wave after wave of grief. This metaphor translates to our universal experience of emotions, that much like the ebb and flow of the tide, emotions can come and go. Sometimes they're predictable and sometimes they crash upon you with this sudden force knocking you off your feet. Mari describes her grief this way, and the grief that has continued through the years. I want to say before you listen that Mari is going to share her story about losing her first husband to suicide. I want to recognize the sensitivity and difficulty of this conversation with those who have recently experienced loss or who are otherwise not ready to listen to this. If that is you, please give yourself grace and listen when you are ready. We also touch on the topic of acceptance, acceptance of this constant ebb and flow of emotions and how we can experience acceptance in a way that both validates the emotion without necessarily being swept up and completely carried away by it. As you listen, notice your own emotions, and if needed, breathe through your own difficult responses to her story and recognize, like any other, emotions do ebb and flow. As you listen, ask yourself, what are other emotions that come up for you as you listen? I invite you to lean into those waves and see what value there is in just feeling them. Hi, Mari. Welcome to Act Inspired Behavior Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Gabby. Thanks so much for inviting me to be here with you today. I would love before we launch into your story to just have you share with us a little bit about yourself, some of the work that you do and and things that you're interested in.
0: Okay, sure. So my name is Madi Serda. I am a board-certified behavior analyst and also a former special education teacher of just about 13 years. So right now, a lot of my work is involved with public schools and providing consultation and support. Um, I'm really passionate about speaking for and with the neurodiverse community. You probably have seen some of my stuff on the bilingual BCBA on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really just trying to find and navigate this this ABA world that seems to be changing daily. Um, but I'm really excited about uh, just all the amazing people I've met on this journey, including you.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. And it, it is it is cool, isn't it? Like the, the field keeps changing and kind of new voices start coming in and it'll be interesting to see where we're at 5 5 or 10 years from now. Absolutely,
0: I think seeing the fluidity of the field gives me hope. I think sometimes in the past there's been a little bit of rigidity and I'm I'm really excited to see, you know, even with with areas such as act and uh, other upcoming kind of philosophies you know, that are adding to our field is just so needed at this time.
1: I agree. Okay. Well, so again, welcome. It's really exciting to have you here. And so today you were going to share some, um, a really difficult struggle around losing your first husband. I just want to say thank you for being willing to share that. And hopefully there's someone out there who is listening to this, who can relate to and um, feel validated by your story.
0: Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to let me share um, that. That's also my hope is that if it reaches one person and gives them encouragement in, in wherever they are in that part of their journey, um, then it's well worth
1: it. Yeah. I, I, and I think, it, you know, whether it's a spouse or a close loved one that they've Maybe in the past or are currently grieving to have someone else out there sharing their story, I, th- I think is really really helpful, as we we learn from one another. You know, how would you like to get started, Madi? Where where would you feel comfortable starting? Um, I think probably starting with
0: shortly after being married in two thousand four, um, coming to realize that you know my first husband was an amazing, um, incredible, brilliant young man that it, it really, he was, he was really kind of that classic, you know, brilliance bordering on insanity. Um, And you don't really pick up on those things when you're dating somebody. And so it wasn't until after we were married that some of these behaviors and these kind of patterns I could see emerging, um, really became more prominent. And so, you know, we had two children and, you know, we were just kind of living this life where we juggled the, the, the illness. We, we, we lived our life and worked around it and he had seasonal affective disorder. So you know, the wintertime was really difficult for him and for all of us, really. But he just he helped me to realize that suicidal ideations is probably one of the most dangerous, private, self-injurious behaviors that humans can experience. So it was a struggle for, you know, from 2008 until 2011 when he finally succumbed to those self-injurious thoughts and those self-injurious you know private events and you know it left me with a two and a three-year-old and you know my world was just rocked and you just really don't even you cannot put your mind in a place to to experience that hypothetically like there's this almost like a protective mechanism. Like it just won't let you go there.
1: Yeah. Wow. Oh my goodness. Is this something Marty, that, that you think about on a regular basis, this, this experience, um, this person that you shared a life with?
0: I don't know that I would say a regular basis. Um, and, and let me kind of preface it with the fact that grieving never really stops. And there is, this is to me where the complexity of, of like hum, humanity is so fascinating because I can be completely joyous in my current moment, in my present moment but also still feel the grief of the loss and, and be, it, it's like this duality of emotions. Um, and it's, it's, it's funny because I think of this really cheesy little song by Daniel Tiger, where, um, he talks about, uh, it's okay to feel two feelings at the same time.
1: Yes, I um, know exactly what song you're talking
0: about. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if anybody has kids and has watched Daniel Tiger, you know that song that I'm referring to. Yeah. But it's it's so true, and it's it can be a little bit overwhelming. Um, but there are still moments where there's an experience or a, a something momentous that happens. You know, with with our two children. Um, and, and I'll just kind of have this brief reflection of like, wow, I wonder, I wonder, you know, I wonder what it would have been like. I wonder what he would have been like. I wonder what would be different. You know, you have those, I wonder thoughts Mm -hmm. and, um, you just, you just kind of embrace them. You, you acknowledge the presence of them because if you don't, then it, it kind of takes away from that moment to really enjoy it. So it's kind of almost as though you honor that thought, you honor that, that moment of grief, you give it its space and then you just, you continue, you know, and, and you, you stay in that experience and and enjoy it. So I don't know that I regularly think about him like directly, but you know, like, like I was saying, the grieving process never stops. And The closest thing that I can ever describe it to is, is like you're standing, you know, on a beach and a wave of grief will just hit you and knock you down. And in the beginning, you feel as though you're standing there and it's just wave after wave after wave that hits you and, and you, you try to stand back up, but another wave just hits you. And over time you learn how to time the waves and stand up and take a breath you know, and prepare for the next wave to come. And so I don't know if necessarily that's the hardest part of grief or when you're later on in the journey and an unexpected wave just takes you off your feet. Um, but it's definitely, it's definitely just something that's part of my life now is those waves that come in and out, you know, and just giving them the space to be there.
1: That is so beautiful. I think just knowing too, that there's that pattern and being familiar with it enough to know that, that, that they are, they come whenever they come and a sensation or something you see or feel or something someone says could potentially trigger that wave or not. (laughs) Like it could be something that's like lapping at your ankles and then other moments that feel stronger, that can knock you down. That's one of the things I really love about acceptance and commitment therapy is the massive use of metaphor because people, they know what it feels like to be standing in the ocean. They know what it feels like to be knocked over by a wave, <laughs> you know, they can recognize that and relate to it. Yeah. And so let's, let's dig in a little bit here, Madi. Like when, let's go back to those early days when the waves were crashing and they were really strong. Like how how did it feel in those early days? I think the closest thing I can attribute
0: it to is is, is like a dream. Um y- your your body almost has like these defense mechanisms. I remember sleeping a lot. I remember, you know, my mom and dad stepped in. I mean, they were they were phenomenal. And I just kind of remember being in this daze, you know, almost like numb after after you have like an initial injury you, you know, you go into that shock and that numbness piece. And that's, you almost felt like you were separated outside of your body. So I, I was having these waves of grief. I was having this intense, you know, emotional pain. I mean, there's, there's really no other way to describe it, but just this really intense emotional pain, but then feeling so disconnected, even from my own body you know, I would lose track of days. I would lose track of time. I would lose track of, had I eaten? Um, and, and really the only thing that centered me in those darkest days uh, during that time was my two children. Um, because they just, they didn't capture and understand the magnitude of the grief. They were so little that there was, they had sadness because, you know, their daddy was never going to come home, but yet I would see them outside and they would be playing and they would just be so joyful. And for me, I think that was what kind of started pulling me out of that immediate ocean of, you know, tidal waves and, and seeing that, you know, they weren't, I don't want to say they were spared, but they weren't, they did not shoulder the gravity of the situation. Um, And I think that was kind of just one of those tiny rays of light in, in all of the, the darkness that was happening kind of around me.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so beautiful. I mean, that they can kind of pull you out of that darkness, even just for a minute to just pull you back into the present moment they can be the ones who who can remind us of how to live how to live in the moment and experience some of those small small joys even if they are kind of momentary oh yeah absolutely and i think at
0: first you, it's almost like when you walk out the door or, and you're like, oh my gosh, did I, did I put my pants on kind of like yeah. that you forgot this? Like, it's like, oh my gosh, I forgot this grief for just a, a moment. Cause I was present in playing with them or, you know, doing something that was, you know, fun and, and, and brought happiness. And there was, you know, for a moment, you know, it's like, I, I forgot my, my grief somewhere. Um, and you know, like it was misplaced, and and it took a while for there not to be guilt associated with that. In you know, it's okay to to misplace the grief for just a moment. You know, it, you're you'll find it again, or it'll find you. So, yeah, they were they were definitely key in helping me to navigate just this this road of figuring out who I was. Um, because that was another thing that really hit hard for me was I had a mom's group that was very close. And when all of it happened, you know, you don't expect to lose friends, but you do. And, you know, that was, that was really hard. That was almost an additional grief mm-hmm. because my my friends were, you know, asking, you know, well, when is the old Maddie gonna be back? When are you, you know, when are you gonna come out? When are you gonna hang out with us? And you know, it, it, t- it took me aback that, that they would even question that, <laughs> you know, like there will there will be no old Mahdi coming back. That that person passed with their husband. I, I'm trying to figure out who I am now, you know, with this, this experience, you know, on my shoulders. So that that definitely was not part of the journey that I ever thought would happen. But I I think it's important to note that because you know, there, like you said, there's, there may be others experiencing this and, and having to deal with secondary grief with the loss of friends or family that really don't understand or give them the space to process what's happening.
1: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Madi. I've never considered that. um, And it makes a lot of sense that things that you experience really powerful things, painful things, they change you forever. And you're you know, you don't go back to how you were before (laughs) because you change. It's like you learn things, you can't unlearn them. They're just are. And now they're part of of who you are. They're part of your history. Yeah, absolutely. What What are some of the ways in which you changed? I think
0: definitely just appreciating the present moment because you know when I reflected back initially when everything was happening I realized that I just I was thinking you know two days ahead or you know thinking back of oh I should have done this in the past and and I I realized that nothing that I could have done in the past or nothing that I could have planned for would have necessarily changed any of the outcomes. And so it, it really helped me to recognize that I just have this moment at right now. And then that moment's gone. (laughs) And so now I'm in this next moment. And, and so it, it really did help me to just pause for a minute and slow down because my nature, um, and this is this is a totally different topic. Being an autistic person, my nature is just to keep going and keep plowing and and just move. You know, my brain always tells me move forward, move forward, move forward. And this really forced me to just stop in my tracks because there was no moving forward. I I I couldn't move forward until I allowed the experience to just happen and be. Um, and so that really just gave me almost like a set of skills to just stop and allow the moment to be and to happen and, and to experience it fully and not be thinking about, okay, well, I need to do this in five minutes and I need to go do this. Um, and, and erasing the list that's in, always in my head.
1: Oh, yeah. I think you're so right about that. It really is a skill set to be able to just let go, let go, let go, let go come back come back come back to the to whatever you're actually doing <laughs> and not get kind of snagged or you know scooped up by the many many things that we have to be thinking about i love i love your use to of the words moving forward you're always moving forward kind of just plowing ahead and when we kind of have that agenda of you know we have to do something we have to we have to move forward in some way we have to move forward in time and the exact opposite of that is not not doing it at all, just staying still. And the skill of letting go of that, of just, just even for a moment, to just be still is so hard. And that is such a, that's such a skill. I want to pause for a second and digest this little snippet, this, this uh, insight that Madi just shared with us, because it's just so good. For some reason, this phrase always moving forward or moving forward really just captured something for me. It resonates because I have this, this personal experience, this personal unease with staying still, with being present to what is happening right now, because my mind keeps telling me to move forward away from grief or disappointment or those kind of hot, angry emotions. And I'm compelled to constantly be thinking, you know, what's next, what's to come in the future. This phrase reminded me of a time um, swimming in the ocean and the moment I almost drowned. I don't know how else to say that, but it's true. And I want to tell you this because I think it's also a really great metaphor for this concept of needing to control, the need to escape hard emotions, and then how acceptance is actually what helps us more in the long-term. I want to highlight that acceptance is this really complex skill, one of those six processes of the a psychological flexibility framework of acceptance and commitment therapy and a concept that I continually dance around all the time trying to practice trying to understand because acceptance itself is really just so nuanced it's such a nuanced concept another word for acceptance is willingness willingness to feel as opposed to resistance to feel we've touched on acceptance here and there throughout the first several episodes of this season and it's just another layer of understanding and practicing this skill So I'm gonna read a snippet from a blog article I wrote a little over a year ago, and I want you to notice the metaphor, which links back to this concept of willingness, of acceptance, and also of this kind of overall phrase that Mari had described of, of, of our need and our urge to constantly move forward. Okay, so here it is. Imagine you are walking toward the ocean. At dusk, a beautiful sunset, it reflects off the water and waves slap against your shins as you stand there at the water's edge. You wade into the water until you're about chest deep with these waves cresting and receding all around you. You tilt your head back, you swirl your hair around, you whisk it to the side. There's something about being in the water right now that makes you feel like you're a kid again. You swim and you take it all in. And then you flip over with your eyes closed, and you allow the water to hold you suspended until another wave crashes over you. But then you try to stand up, and instead of sand, there's nothing to grab onto. Your eyes, they pop open. You squint at the beach, which is farther away than you'd like, and then you start paddling and paddling and paddling. But the waves seem to just continue to push you back, preventing you from getting any closer to shore. You start treading water and this feeling of dread just starts to settle over you. This happened to me nine years ago. I was swimming with a friend at a beach in El Salvador. After a couple of minutes of trying to swim back to shore, I started really panicking. I remember thinking, literally thinking, I'm going to die. And so you can kind of imagine some of that panic that started to settle over me. And I'm going to cut in here real quick into my own story and say, this is the moment where I desperately wanted to regain control, where I was telling myself to move forward, go back to shore, go back to safety. So like I mentioned, I was there at the beach with a friend and my friend was completely calm. He told me something. I remember it so vividly. He was very simple. He said, Gabby try floating in the water for a minute. And then I shot him this look. I was like, really? (laughs) We're going to die. We need to get back to shore right now. And then, you know, I continued swimming, trying really desperately to get back to shore. And then he insisted again, but very gently. He said, Gabby, slow down just for a minute. And then he told me his own story as we're kind of sitting there starting to tread water. He said, you know, I was at a beach once, I was drinking with a bunch of friends, and then I went for a swim. I was starting to surf on the waves, you know, with this raft, until I could barely see or hear my friends. When I started swimming back, I realized I was stuck. I was swimming against the current, and I just kept getting pushed out farther and farther and farther. And I tried getting my, te- my friends' attention, but they just kept waving back at me. They thought I was having this great time and no one needed to help. But then I stopped struggling. I relaxed on my raft. There was no use swimming when the current was so strong. I was just gonna get tired. So when I had the energy, I tried again and the current had changed by that point. And then eventually I made it back and I was fine. So it's okay, Gabby. Even if it takes all night, we'll get back. You just need to relax. You can try swimming again in a minute. So we waited and I flipped on my back and I tried to remember how to float. When I caught my breath, I felt so much calmer and I was ready to try again. And then rather than swimming straight, we started swimming um, toward the beach at this angle, you know, and I knew I should have been doing that from the start, but I was so consumed by fear. I couldn't think logically. All I wanted was just escape right now. And then honestly, as soon as, as quickly as we were pulled out, we were back on shore. So I want you to think about how much we might try to swim away from grief or sadness or some other hard, powerful emotion. And in the short term, we feel vindicated and productive because we're moving away from discomfort towards safety, right? But much like trying to swim against the current, we might very well find ourselves back exactly where we started. And perhaps with a greater sense of unease, of emotional exhaustion and desperation to leave this current state of discomfort. But what if we were to float for a minute? What if we were able to relax, be willing to slow down, stay still, accept? Perhaps the current would change over time. Perhaps the waves would ebb on their own without us having to fight against them at all. Okay, so before I move on, I want to share again about my opportunity for any one of you to go ahead and participate in a monthly group called ACT Collective. In this group, we meet to discuss topics related to ACT, review a research article, and practice acceptance and commitment therapy strategies live in session. It's also this awesome excuse for us to get together and laugh and share our goals and then get accountability for following through on those goals. So, if you're interested in joining, reach out or check out Act Collective on my website, actinspiredbehavior.com. Okay, so in this next part, we're going to dig into how we can practice more of that kind of acceptance in a way that allows us to feel without being swept up by it. The strategy that Madi is about to mention is really simple but powerful, and I've been using this strategy ever since we've talked. And so I welcome you to listen and see if it might be a new tool for you to use when you're experiencing those waves. I wonder, Madi, like what are some of the moments in which you catch yourself quieting your mind or, you know, not moving forward? Like what are you doing in those moments? For me, one of the ways
0: that I can help quiet my mind is, is definitely through music. Um, if, if I find myself really just as my husband would say on a tear like you know you're just bulldozing through all of these things you're adding projects to your plate you're adding you know all of these new things I will most of the time put on some headphones and just you know turn my brain off by listening to music I mean that's just that I don't I can't really explain what it does for me but it's almost like the music does the thinking for me and I'm allowed to just be still for a moment. Um, I have a really, uh, strong, I don't want to say relationship with music, but just the emotions that come from it, just the ability to be still. And I, I learned that also along the way, um, because it's easy to move away from that, that what, what you've learned through that, momentous event in your life right like we get back to the whole grind we get back to the routine and and we we are at risk of forgetting that no just stop and be still and so for me i really quickly realized that i i need music to help me just stop and be still
1: and in those moments when you're listening to music like you can be still and you can focus on the music is there is there a value that you connect with in those moments? Or if you could kind of think of it now, like what value would it be? I think it
0: would just be, and I don't, I don't know if this would be the right way to say, it. I would value the, the emotions that I'm experiencing in that moment. Music helps me to process emotions better. Um, it, it's like it tells the story for me, um, and, and allows me to experience the emotions more, more vividly. So I think it helps me just to validate what I'm feeling in that very moment, instead of just shrugging it off and 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 kind of like pushing it away.
1: Oh my gosh, money you just keep dropping these nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you so perfectly describe. I mean, I think a lot of people can, can definitely relate to that where it's like, you listen to a piece of music and it's kind of like you're searching for something. You're searching for a way to express the emotion that feels, I guess, safe. I don't know, because I don't know about you, but if, you're, if I'm feeling a strong emotion, sometimes it's like, what do I even do? Like, what do I do to, to practice acceptance with this emotion that I'm feeling? And so by listening to music, that's one way one could possibly kind of sit with those emotions and even like almost kind of maybe enjoy them, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. And, and it's, it, and I love that you said that
0: because, you know, well, thinking about it, it's like, oh my gosh, is that horrible that I want to enjoy this emotion of sadness, but it's, I want to authentically experience this and music if I pick the right song, will just allow me to fully embody that emotion. And, and the music has a, it's a story, you know, whoever created this song that I'm listening to, they're, they're telling a story. And so there is like, you know, the elements of a story, there's the beginning, there's the, you know, the, the climax, and then there's the end of it. And so for me, that allows me to go through that emotional story that I'm, I'm experiencing and it be resolved, I guess, like I I got to experience it. And then there was resolution. Um, And, and it, it happens for me much easier when I have music that almost guides me through that.
1: Oh, that is so lovely. Now I'm really curious to know what your playlist is. Do you have a, do you have a playlist that you, that you go to, or there's certain artists you go to?
0: I do, and they're so not typical. Um, I'm a huge Lindsey Sterling fan. I like music that doesn't have words, so I'm a huge Lindsey Sterling fan. Um, Alan Walker, so a lot of songs that that really kind of remove the the vocal verbal aspect and just allow me to just the emotion is what speaks, not, not anything that, that someone is saying. So yeah, I have a, I have a pretty
1: (laughs) diverse and eclectic uh, music repertoire, I guess. So, okay. So we've talked, we've talked about some of the struggles, the struggle that you had in kind of those early initial days and how incredibly painful they were, how your children, In a way, they were able to kind of unhook you a little bit from some of that grief, even just for the briefest of moments. And over time, it sounds like you've developed some skills around doing some of that internal work. Have you been able to use some of the things that you learned through the grieving process with your first husband with new pain that has cropped up in your life? That was a question. It kind of sounded like a statement, but it was actually a question. (laughs)
0: Uh, so, you know, I, I thought it would prepare me for similar events, you know, I mean, that's part of life is, is the loss of loved ones. And, um, in 2015, my, our third child was born and, uh, that father's day, um, my dad passed unexpectedly. And so, Mm -hmm. I would have thought like logically, okay, you've been through this process. You've gone through the loss of, of an important male figure in your life. Like, you know, let's, let's just get on the bandwagon and go through the process again. But it's so very different when you lose your dad. Um, And that's a grief that is, is just, I mean, it helped me to realize that no two griefs, you know, no two grieving processes, no two losses are ever going to manifest the same way. Um, and the waves were different. So, you know, it, I think the one thing that my initial loss taught me was that if nothing else, you will get to the other side of this journey Um, I, you don't know, I don't know what this journey is going to look like. I don't know what waves are going to hit me this time around, but I do know that, that there is on the other side, there is just hope and, and there is happiness there. Um, but everything is, you know, survivable, but at the same time, I also remember that some things are not survivable to some people, you know, I mean looking at my first husband. But for me in my journey, I know that it is. And so yeah, I think I think it's definitely giving given me an armor, I guess, to be able to handle a lot of tough situations. It's made me much more compassionate but it's also made me a little tough on myself in that, you know, that self-talk of, hey, come on, you, you've been through a lot worse. You can, you can handle this. Um, And really not letting myself get into those states of, you know, not depression, but just low periods and, or not staying there for too long. You know, I might get there and, and just have some moments where I'm kind of pity party-ish, but I really don't allow myself to stay there for very long because it, it, it's not productive for me.
1: Yeah. And, and maybe there are ways to, it's, this is the tricky thing t- that I find with acceptance is, I mean, there's no one right way to do it, but if you can find ways where you can engage in feeling the things, feeling the feelings, and yet also Do it in a way that feels more that doesn't send you down this giant rabbit hole, dark spiral, (laughs) where then you're just you know (laughs) scrolling on your phone forever, avoiding people. That's not really where you want to go in terms of feeling the feelings, but there's productive ways in which you can do it and you can kind of step across that threshold of okay, I'm willing to feel this right now, but let's do it in a way that sets me up for um, treating myself well and not battering myself with solutions or, or maybe it's a negative self-talk, like, you know, you shouldn't be feeling this way. Stop feeling this way. You know, right. <laughs> you, you've been sad enough now. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> um, I have one more question for you, Madi. Sure, sure. Is there something you want to share about your late husband, a good memory that when you think of it, it makes you smile Yeah. I mean, he had like the goofiest
0: laugh. Um, and it was, it was, it was so pure and, and people that knew him would just talk about, if you wanted to see someone that was the epitome of just pure goodness and kindness and a gentle soul, like that was my husband. And, um, I think one of the nicest gifts is that our son who is now 12 has that same laugh. Um, so it's, yeah, it's kind of a nice, it's kind of just a nice little, a gift, you know, to have that, that piece of him, um, starting to manifest in, in our son. That's definitely something that we have always been open with the kids about is just telling them about their dad and, and the good qualities about him and, you know, just, the things that they do and say that, that are like their dad. And so in a way, you know, he's, he's not completely gone. You know, he, he emerges, uh, you know, from my 13 year old and and her, you know, antics and then my 12 year old and his, you know, silly laugh. (laughs) Yes. That's
1: perfect. I love that. I love that you have those reminders and they're just kind of these, these sweet little things you can, that, you know, like sometimes you'll be reminded of someone that you miss and you love and it can make you feel sad, but it can also do the opposite too. So that's the wonderful thing about the human mind and, and cognition, right?
0: Oh yes, absolutely.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Thank you so much, Monty. I really, really enjoyed listening to you share your story and also just your insights about this experience, which like you said, it's just, it's going to be different person to person and experience to experience, but, and just these little things that we can like pick up and and kind of hold to it and think about um, that maybe they'll, they'll give us some strength, give us a little bit of armor. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Okay. Well, I hope that we stay in touch, Maddie.
0: Yes, I definitely would. We'll we'll definitely stay in touch.
1: All right. Okay. Well, have a lovely evening. Thanks. You too. It was
0: so nice to get to know you and chat with you. Do you like it, Mom? I think it's awesome. You want going to read it for you or can you read it?
1: In this episode, you heard from Mari Cerda, a behavior analyst, a mom, a wife, a leader. I want to let you know that she's recently started a podcast with her colleague Christina called The Supervisor Soapbox, which aims to actively address the disparity of people of color, non-people of color, indigenous, LBGTQ, and neurodiverse practitioners in the field of applied behavior analysis. You know, um, I just want to say that I learned something from every guest that I've had on this podcast, and every single story has made an impact on me. Um, but these words, these insights that she shares on grief, it has made an especially huge impact on how I navigate really hard emotions. I listen to music more for one, and I find myself being more and more aware of how I tend to escape pain by always trying to just swim or move forward. So how about you? Maybe you've recently experienced loss or and maybe this is a familiar but older pain. Either way, I invite you to think of ways that you've navigated that pain and then thank the ebb and flow of it all because as much as the pain may flow at times, so does the joy. My uh, mom's time of day is for Achilles
0: he'd be good. Oh, I love that. That That's, was an awesome the, reading. Is
1: that what it said? I think, well, I
0: see right here what you said. Happy birthday, Val.
1: If you're interested in reaching out and telling your own story or would like to learn through my blog, my workshops, or coaching, find me on Instagram at Act Inspired Behavior email me at gabby at or use the link on my website listed in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you. If this episode resonated with you, subscribe to this podcast and stay tuned for future episodes. And please take a moment to rate and even review the show because honestly, it's just really helpful for others to see how it has made an impact and for getting others to find this show as well. Thank you so much. Hello again. I want to take a moment and say that this podcast is for educational purposes only. Content and conversation provided in this podcast should not be taken as or replace professional or therapeutic recommendations. As a board-certified behavior analyst, my goal is to disseminate ACT and behavior analysis to the wider public and have meaningful conversations to further explore our understanding. If you are concerned about your own personal well being, I encourage you to seek out the help of a licensed professional who can provide individual support to you. Thank you.